Firestorm, the Fire and Water Podcast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, the giant-sized Rob Kelly. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> yeah, I, I am giant-sized. Uh, never mind. <laughs> living large. Uh, <laughs> living large. I want, just at the top of the show, I want all of you to know that I actually had to go shop at a Walmart for this episode, so I hope you appreciate <laughs> the things I do for this show, all right? That's all I'm saying. So over the last eight and a half years, Rob and I have waxed on many times about, oh, remember the old days of the spinner rack? Yeah, they suck, so in the modern day. <laughs> By the way, because <laughs> I also had to go out and find these things. Yes, we're going to be talking about, as you've probably seen in the show notes already, Aquaman 100-page Giants number one and two, which uh, are available in various locations such as Walmarts. They're available in comic shops as well, uh, but uh, they, they, the Walmarts were the place where both Rob and I tracked ours down, and boy, they were a pain in the butt to get because Walmart is just a chaotic mess. <laughs> <laughs> it's just – it's like the final scene in Raiders, except way less organized. Right. And I'm like, I don't need seven copies of Superman number two. I'm looking yeah. for Aquaman. So, But yes, I am holding in my pants, you know, because you can hear this, 200 pages of Aquaman comics that just came out, available to the general public, available in regular stores for people, which is pretty cool. And uh, I'm excited to talk about this. It's, it's basically the size of a trade paperback if you put these two together. And it costs less because, I mean, together this was 5 bucks and 5 bucks to 10 bucks, And uh, that's less than a trade for 200 pages. So not bad. It's sort of funny in that we, we talked about doing the first one, and we, we took us so long to do the get around to doing it that the second one came out. We're like, all right, let's all right, no, it's a perfect time. Let's do the let's do the first two. Exactly. All right. Well, before we get into it, before we start talking about these things, because we are going to talk about the, the books, at least the, the original stories in there, we should take a second to thank our sponsors. Folks, this episode of the Fire and Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. What'd you bring, buddy? Well, I am very happy to report that the Aquaman, the Death of a Prince collection is back in print. Uh, it was in the trade form for a long time. It was and it, 
it, this uh, this collection features my favorite run of Aquaman of all time from Adventure Comics 435 through 437, which were the Mike Grell drawn backups, and then 441 through 452, where he was the headliner drawn by Jim Aparo, plus 452 through 455, which were the Aqualad backups, and then Aquaman 57 through 63, written by Paul Kupperberg. Uh, it's back in print, but this time as a hardcover. It's called oh. Aquaman the Death of a Prince Deluxe Edition. Interesting. Uh, as far as I can tell, it doesn't feature any other features than the than the than the, the uh, soft cover one, other than it's it's, it's hardcover. The normal price is thirty nine ninety nine. In stock trades price is twenty three dollars and nineteen cents. Three hundred thirty six pages, and as I said, it is my single favorite run of Aquaman of all time. So I'm very happy that this is back in print. And fun fact: when this book came out in trade form, I was a little perturbed that there was no introduction. DC didn't spring for someone to write an introduction, so uh, uh, I wrote one myself and uh it's 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 yeah it's available in pdf form and uh if everybody wants i'll put a link in the show notes and you can download it and print it out and insert it in the book oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) now very weird that they print a hardcover after the softcover that doesn't unless maybe in star trace just found a pile of the hardcovers laying around or something because that's weird because usually they do the hardcover and then release the softcover like yeah i know no (laughs) no it came out as only softcover at the time because i remember that and then then it went out of print and it was the kind of thing where people would come to me and say, "Where's a good run to start on Aquaman?" And I would say, yeah. "Oh, get Death of a Prince." But the, oh shoot, it's out of you know, it's out of print. So now it's back in print. I'm very very happy about that because I said they are my favorite stories of all time of Aquaman. I guess if you uh, have a billion dollar movie, you get hardcovers and you get so. comic, you get comics in Walmart. So <laughs> That's the way it should work. Uh, my recommendation is directly tied into these 100-page giants. I picked Teen Titans Trade Paperback Volume 2, The Rise of Aqualad. Now, this is from the Rebirth era. It was published in 2017. And let me tell you, I love this Teen Titans book. I shouldn't have. In fact, I tried not to. When this new era of Teen Titans came out, because I've been a fan for years, but the new 52 destroyed my love of the Teen Titans. Uh, when this one came out, I saw it was going to be you know the Rebirth stuff. And it had Damian Wayne as the headliner for the Teen Titans. And I can't stand Damian Wayne. I'm like, oh, I am going to hate read this just to get it out of my system because I always try every new Teen Titans book and I'm just going to hate this to death. And I picked up the rework special and I by the end I'm like, huh, that's weird. I, I didn't I didn't hate that. And then when the monthly book started, I'm like, well, I'll, I'll read a few of those just so I can hate it. And I read those, and I'm like, damn, <laughs> I really like this comic. And so of the Rebirth era, the book I stuck with the longest was Teen Titans. So as crazy as it is, because, uh, again, Damien, he, he's an annoying little crap, but when he's written right, I, I, I kind of like him. So being the annoying crap. Anyway, this particular trade collects issues uh, 6, 7, 9, 11, 10, 13. It's a little confusing, but it can <laughs> it collects several issues where they introduce Aqualad to the Teen Titans, and some of those are reprinted in this 100-page collection. Either way, it's super fun, uh, written by Ben Percy, uh, art by – I'm going to say his name wrong, so I'm sorry – Koi Fam, maybe? I'm not sure. Page counts 128 pages, full color, normal retails for $14.99. You get it for 42% off, so it's like $8.69. So yes, the Rebirth era of Teen Titans uh, gets my stamp of approval, and this is a super fun collection, so you should check it out, folks. 
And for these and all your other trade paperback needs, please visit InStockTrades.com. Now, this episode is also sponsored in part by you folks at home with your Patreon support. Because, you know, running the Firewater Podcast Network with so many shows requires a lot of online hosting, service fees, things along those lines. And for the past three years, uh, we hosts have absorbed those costs. But the costs have con- uh, they've grown a lot. So we launched the Patreon to uh, help us support the network. So if you're enjoying... Uh, us talking about Aquaman and things like that. The best play, uh, best way to support that is by uh, visiting patreon.com slash fwpodcast and consider supporting the Fire and Water Podcast Network. And at certain sponsorship tiers, you'll get mentioned on your favorite Fire and Water shows, just like these folks who chose to support the Aquaman and Firestorm show. Rob, when he tells who? Yeah, big thanks to Jay Campbell, Keith G. Baker, Kevin Culp, David Ace Gutierrez, and Gord Tolton. Thanks, everybody. And where should they go, Rob, to visit? Patreon.com slash FW Podcasts. Please, we need the money, guys. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, folks, so very much. All right, so we are going to talk about Aquaman. Now, technically, I think they're you know, the way they're solicited, they're just called Aquaman Giant, which is a really weird name. But let me see what it says in the indicia here. Um, Where is yeah, it? When, when I did Google searches for them, they I could only find them as Aquaman Giant, Superman Giant. They didn't have the 100-page thing. Stuck yeah. in the, oh. Even though, even though on the title it says uh, right on the top of the cover, it says 100 page. Here we go. But uh, the indicia does on the back inside cover does say Aquaman Giant number one, a direct market edition. So sure okay. enough. So there you go. yep. Okay. But yeah, I love how it's got the 100 page giant across the top. I mean, isn't that uh, reminiscent of the old 100 page? Oh, it's logo? almost exactly it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the font is maybe a little different. Obviously, the DC bullet is different. But yeah, I think it's design wise, it's exactly the same. Super fun. Well, uh, Aquaman 100 page giant number one was on the shelves October 30th, 2009. Now, you may still be able to find it later on if you Walmarts. Your comic shops might have it. I believe there are other places carrying it, but I don't know who. I don't, like, you know, in fact, folks, why don't you go out to our website, which is firewaterpodcast.com. Go out to the show notes for this episode. Leave us a comment if you have found them in places other than Walmart or uh, comic shops. So I'm sure people like to know, I mean, are they in Books a Million? Are they in Target? I, I don't know. Maybe they hide them as well as Walmart does, and I have no idea they're there. I have no idea. But uh, the cover, so we've, we talked about the cover treatment across the top. We've got the Aquaman logo, and then we've got all these little head boxes all over the place saying, like, features Ocean Master, The Trench, Beast Boy, Aqualad, and then also featuring Mara, Black Mana on the Rampage, The Rise of Aqualad. So there's just stuff plastered everywhere just promoting what's in here. Rob, why don't you tell the folks at home about the main image? Well, the main image is by Joshua Middleton, who was doing all those alt covers for Aquaman, and they're really beautiful. I mean, I virtually every cover Joshua Middleton did for Aquaman was gorgeous. So it's just this shot of Aquaman, kind of a sort of sort of photorealistic kind of thing, not exactly, but coming right towards the camera, and then in the background we see a profile of Mira, and then there's like a, obviously, uh, and then there's these two red glowing eyes in the background, which obviously is Black Mana. Uh, it's again, it's it's Joshua Middleton. It's a simply beautiful image he's just I, he deserves a hardcover book collection of his aquaman covers uh that's a little less on a little less unlikely than it used to be uh it's still probably unlikely but they are that good so i i, I think it's a great image to pick for you know, it really jumps out off the you know well i was gonna say the stands but this isn't saying it jumps off the giant pile of crap that you find these books in at a Walmart. so taking about four fathom leaps back what in the hell are you looking at? Because there must be different covers, sir. Oh, there are. There are variant covers. You don't have this one? 
No, I don't have that one. No, I didn't even I know that one, one existed. Justin, yes, they, each book has a variant cover. So is that is that the, the Middleton image? Is that repurposed from a, one of the his variant covers, or is this a newly created one for Aquaman and Giant? I number one? think it's new because I don't recall seeing this image before. I could be wrong. Maybe it's on a trade or something. Wow. But okay. Yeah, no, this one. The, this is Joshua Middleton. But yeah, no. Okay. These books. Well, then these books have variant covers. Then I'll describe mine. Then the one I I have uh, is by uh, Liam Sharp and Romulo. Farjado Jr. Probably said that wrong. Anyway, uh, it's it, the central image is uh, Aquaman and Black Man is struggling in a battle against each other, and it, you're kind of far away. And right at their feet is a giant purple octopus who looks like he's taking a nap. And then Aquaman has got his back up against this column, and he's got he's like sort of pinned up against the column by Black Man, and he's got the the trident raised like he's about to stab down him. And, and Black Man has got two giant knives pushed up against him. It's, it's a lot of detail work, as you would expect from William Sharp. The only the only thing about it though is Aquaman is kind of small. On this image. So to me, this cover didn't really jump out as like, wow, announcing a brand new number one kind of thing. Because it's like Aquaman's, he's way over here in the corner kind of thing. Hmm. But it's still a beautiful image because, again, Liam Sharp is gorgeous. But, uh, yeah, it's it's. I would be very interested in seeing the Middleton one. Wow, that sounds awesome, man. Yeah, it's good. It's it's, it's, a, it's a great – it's a really great image. I said I love – I love this guy. He he really excelled at sort of like poster-like images and really very beautiful kind of thing. So, yeah, it's, I love it. It's a great choice. Awesome. So the way these 100 pages, uh, at least the Aquaman ones, work, folks, is you get five stories included. You get a 16-page all-new story. Then you get an eight-page all-new story. And then you get three full-size reprint stories. Um, and, and so in this case, we're gonna, we'll talk about the new stories in just – well, you know, why don't we jump in? So why don't, you, why don't you take us through the first new story? Okay. Yeah, the first story is called – Double Edged. Uh, it's by Steve Orlando, and the art is by Daniel Samper and Juan Albaran, I believe. Uh, the story is uh, Bl- Black Manor arrives at the Museum of Unnatural History to retrieve an ancient Atlantean artifact, the Tether of Amphrodite. <laughs> easy, snare, easy for you to say. <laughs> easy for you to say. A snare used by the Myrmazons. Aquaman arrives to stop him, and in between the brawl, tries to warn Manta that the snare is cursed and should not be trifled with. Of course, Manta won't listen. So after he tries to use it on Aquaman, he feels immense pain in his head and stomach, as if he is starving to death. Trying to understand what is happening to him, Manta crumbles to the floor. As the police arrive, Aquaman visits the Arctic Ocean and returns the snare to the chamber where it was first left, putting it in the skeleton hand of the long-dead Atlantean king. So that's pretty much it. I mean, this story is mostly one big fight. Yep. Uh, it's not that that's – I don't mean that in a pejorative sense, that it's actually a bad thing. But there just is not a whole lot of plot here. It really mostly is Aquaman and, and Mana just beating the crap out of each other while people will, you know, get out of the way. So is that a king or a queen at the end? I thought it was the Mer- – I thought it was supposed oh, to be the Myrmazons. I guess it would be the queen. I guess it would be the queen of the Myrmazons. So yeah, I guess okay. well, you saw the skeleton. Yeah, you're right. The Elenian queen. Uh, but but yeah, that's pretty much pretty much it. It's just that – it's sort of funny when I first read this and I saw the snare, I was like, is this the harpoon hand? Is that – like what happened there? But no, that's it's this whole other thing. So, and again, I mean, the, as much as you could say, there's any sort of subtext to this, and there's not really subtext. But the whole bit is that you know Manta is furious at Aquaman because he killed his father, and he's sort of like, oh, you care about this piece of uh, hardware, but you didn't care about my father. And Aquaman's like, look, I'm trying to I'm trying to reason with you. You don't want to use this thing. You don't know what you're doing. And Man, of course, is just blasting his way through everything. It doesn't listen. And then now he's, you know, they said that he gets visited on by this curse because Aquaman talks about how this thing was used by the Myrmazons, but it cursed them as well. So now Manta is cursed, at least temporarily, by having to use this, uh, by using the snare. 
Well, I think it's all. I think the 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 easier way to sum it up is basically, you know, Black Man is driven by a hunger for revenge and ends right. up with a unsatiable hunger himself, right. you know, right. sort of thing. Uh, I, there's some really nice art in here. I, there's no page number, so I can't tell you how far along here. But you know, a little ways into the story, you get a huge two page spread of Aquaman just bursting through the museum, smashing through something, and, and cl- it's the first time I, you know you see Aquaman in action, smashing into Black Man and yelling, "Atlantis is under my protection!" It's just a really great double page spread. It's very much a kapow moment. Really enjoyed that. And then I've got lots of little question notes, sort of like the, the thing opens in the United Nations, right? And Mara is talking to the United Nations as we have you know, firmly established she is the right person for that job. But in this case, they're saying the UN finally recognizes Atlantis. Now, as old fogies like you and I, uh, and we've read a lot of Aquaman stories over the years. How many times has Atlantis been recognized by the UN? <laughs> I don't. I can't. I think a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, they keep taking that name off the door plate, uh, the door plate of the whatever. But uh, yeah, I, I, I just was like again with this. But I, okay, yeah, I'm not really sure exactly when all this happens. But uh, go back to the artwork. I like the artwork quite a bit. I'm not familiar with these two gentlemen, uh, but uh, I really liked it. It had a nice movement to it. it I, I like how the figures had. Uh, I, I have a problem with a lot of superhero art because I feel it's very stiff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is not that. Uh, I love, especially the inking by Juan Albaran. I really love the inking. I mean, that that shot that you mentioned, the two page spread of when Aquaman is punching Mana. There's all these great motion lines, like on the glove mm. of Aquaman. It looks oh, really yeah. cool. It's really it looks kind of like almost, that, yeah. like Paul Pope a little bit. Like really very fluid. No pun intended. <laughs> so uh, I really, yeah, I thought the artwork was really very solid. Yeah, there's some great shots of uh, in the battle. I mean, you really get the sense they're moving. Mantis throwing a shield at Aquaman. I love it when he catches it in midair. Very, yeah. very Steve Rogers. Right, right. And you know the uh, the the electrical whip when it's you know that part of that's coming from the coloring. But yeah, this is really a pretty pretty set of pages. And um, so a couple other things like um, in the art, buried in the art. Like I love that I, I'm Black Mana when he's in the museum kicks a kid. I don't know if you noticed that. It's this little tiny panel and he, a series of panels him walking through the museum. He just kicks a kid. It looks it looks like a comic strip. Like take it, kid. It's just cracked me up. It's like oh, he's a bad guy. I get it. Uh, oh yeah, I see that. Yeah, he just kicks him right in the ass too. Right. It's <laughs> hilarious. So as far as scripting questions, so Museum of Unnatural History, that's really cool. I love that idea that there's a – I don't – I mean that's not a real thing, I don't think, is it? I mean – No, I wish it was. That would yeah. be awesome. That sounds really cool. And then um, I love that we get Black Mana's point of view for a second there. He sees – uh, Black, uh, he, and here, here's his thoughts. He says, um, Earth is littered with artifacts above and below the waves, cast off from uh, sacred civilizations like Atlantis. That kingdom may be ruled by an amoral despot. So he, you know, his view is not Aquaman the hero in his way. He actually sees Aquaman as a despot. And I just think that's a really interesting perspective to, to yeah, see cool. the, the villain's thoughts. Now, the Myrmazons, um, fun to say, fun to read. Have we heard of them before? Yeah, I, they have been mentioned, I believe. I can't – I just knew I saw the phrase uh, okay. before, but I couldn't place where it was. It was like, wait, I know what that is, but I don't know exactly where. But yeah. Okay. Well, that's perfectly fine. I just – I thought it was pretty funny. So Okay. Uh, anything else we want to say? I, I will say I, I was – when I, when I saw that they were going to basically leave the long hair – and beard in because, of course, he has to look more like Momoa. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, really? But it's starting to grow on me a little bit. Again, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> the, the way it's drawn, I think, like, the particular the, the profile shot of him where he says, uh, you wouldn't see that I wasn't just saying saving them from you. I was saving you from yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a nice shot. Like, it's, yeah. it, I, it, I am starting to like it more. And I understand, of course, that you're trying to yeah, 
make him look more like Jason Momoa. That makes sense. And then on a, on a completely more mercenary thought, uh, I like that right after the story, there is a house ad for Aquaman trade paperback collection. Yep. That's great because these things are, of course, meant to uh, attract a new audience. These are not meant for people like us that are already fans. And so this is good. This is what you should be doing. It's like, hey, did you like this? Well, here's more of it. You can get this, and here's the titles that you can get. I mean, go to Amazon or whatever and buy these things. And even has little quotes from uh, critics and stuff. So I think that's that's really smart to let people know there's more Aquaman to be had. Well, yeah, you get Jeff Johns ad. You get a um, what is that's a, a Abnett a Dan Abnett ad. Later on in the book, you get a. Um, What's her name? Uh, Kelly Sue's comic. I couldn't remember her name. Yeah, Yeah. but then you get a great two-page ad for Mara Tidebreaker, the Danielle Page book graphic novel, which is really kind of cool. So yeah, you get some really good. It's smart advertising here, and on the back you get um, this is a it's it's just one about Teen Titans Raven, but it looks like it's a it's a original graphic novel all about Raven. So it's just all all well packaged. It's really nicely done. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's really I, – I think that's very smart. Again, that's what these things are supposed to be. So it's cool. Instead of just – I mean they could have just sold the ads probably to some advertiser, but it's cool. that Like look at all this Aquaman that's out there for you to buy, kids. Exactly. I mean they'd make more money putting M&M ads in there certainly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so. And I was um, – I'm just really excited about this because you know, the little 16-page story and then this following up 8-page story, you know, I, I haven't read Aquaman comics in a little while. Uh, we haven't. You guys probably have noticed we haven't talked about Aquaman modern comics in a while. <laughs> to look over here, folks, don't notice. But uh, but it's nice to go back and read some new stories. It's nice to get a little taste tester of Aquaman. I've enjoyed it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Uh, next, the eight page story of Breathless, written by Marv Wolfman. That's pretty mm. cool. Art by Pop Mon. Uh, so, we join the action in Media Res. Deep underwater, Aquaman is being hunted by the clandestine organization known as Scorpio. The hunters are using specialized weapons to make it impossible for Aquaman to breathe underwater. Now, after an exciting chase through coral reefs and underground air pockets, Aquaman is defeated and apparently killed. In reality, though, Aquaman is just playing. Playing possum. He's allowing the Scorpio folks to take him back to their base. There, he learns their plans to harvest his unique organs, as he's an Atlantean and human hybrid, and he locates the scientist that Scorpio had kidnapped. Once he learns the plans, Aquaman makes quick work of the Scorpio goons, chasing the leader outside the base and confronting the villain alongside dozens and dozens of his finny friends, including a bunch of intimidating-looking sharks. So... Uh, it's very fast paced. Very uh, this thing you jump right in the action and it doesn't let go. And I really like that aspect of it because you don't really see the beginning of the story and you don't see the end of the story. But we get enough backstory to understand what's going on. And the ending, the fact that the bad guy is going to get beaten, is a foregone conclusion. So I think it's really a nice way to tackle this short little story. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was. I thought it was fine. I didn't love it. Uh, uh, partly it was the artwork. Yep. I just it was just kind of stiff. Uh, again, I, I like things that are just a little more fluid, but, uh, and it was a little cramped, like there's just a lot going on and, and I'm, maybe it's my old eyes, but I'm sitting there like, wait, what's, what am I looking at here? You know, like what exactly, there's just a lot going on. So I thought it was fine, but I didn't love it. And I, I sort of, you know, I like the first story better, but also I appreciate the fact that it's only eight pages. I mean, exactly. it's hard, you don't really do these much anymore, like this length of story. So I thought that was cool. And I certainly like the final image. Um, the full page out of Aquaman on Storm or whatever, the Dolphins, that was cool. Well, I, I, I heard on a, an episode of Word Balloon a long time ago, and, I, and I've referenced, referenced this a bunch, but Marty Pascal was talking about writing comic book stories. And he said that they used to 
get new writers to cut their teeth on an eight-page story because it's a very difficult thing to do. You've got to get in and out and make people care in eight pages. And Marv Wolfman, I mean, he's an expert, so he really does that well. I agree the art lets it down. And not just because – I I don't see the stiffness as much as you do, but I see – uh, an artist's trick, which is to repeat the same panels over and over and over. There like is some of that too. Yeah. The coral reef is really bad. Is is bad, and then especially this one page where they use the same panel six times, and all they did was move the bad guy around on the panel, and it's uh, and it's it's really rather disappointing because it's not like the panel. It's not like sometimes when they repeat a panel and you see the progression of a change. No, it's just a guy walking around a room. So I feel like you know, with only eight pages, come on, man, you didn't have to take cut too many corners. So that was disappointing to me. But from a from a writing perspective, I feel like it's very solidly written. Now I looked up Scorpio because I knew they were a real organization, but I was wondering what their connection to Aquaman was, and I can't find one. Uh, I see that uh, they they battled the challengers of the unknown. They dealt with the Sea Devils. They dealt with Peter Cannon Thunderbolt. That's a little out of the blue. And uh, Power Company, none of which, by the way, were written by Marv Wolfman, as far as I could tell, either. So I thought it was just I, – I figured Marv was just picking up somebody he wrote about years ago or something. But I couldn't find any connection. So it was nice to, nice to see that this you know evil organization is still – it would have been nice to see Ogre, though, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> to see it's still kicking around. But yeah, it, it was short. Um, and, and again, I really – the thing I liked about it, again, is the writing where you didn't see the beginning and you didn't see the ending, but it still works. Huh. It's, yeah, I, again, and it's, it's I I can't think of another time Marv Wolfman has written a solo Aquaman story. He's certainly written mm. a lot of Aqualad, but I can't think of Aquaman. I was I was surprised when I got the end of it. I was like, really, Marv Wolfman? Like the the guy I saw in Legends of Tomorrow the other day? It was like so. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, after those stories, folks, you get three reprint stories. You get Throne of Atlantis prologue from Aquaman number fourteen. Printed in 2013, you get uh, which, which is you know that great uh, Justice League Aquaman crossover where Atlantis storms in, you know swarms in. I mean they, they made an animated movie out of that freaking thing. Uh, then you get uh, part one of Queen in Exile from the Mera Queen of Atlantis miniseries uh, from 2018. You and I covered that a while back on the show, in fact. And then the last story you get is Rise of Aqualad Part One from Teen Titans number six from 2017. Again that. Right, that Teen Titans story I was telling you guys about earlier that I like so much. So it rounds out. It makes a really nice, fun package. And, you know, I was reading through some of these. And, you know, the the, the Throne of Atlantis was just an awesome story. It's absolutely captivating. It's nice to see it reprinted here. But what really caught my attention was, like, the Mera. I'd forgotten how much I enjoyed the Mera story. And, and, this, and this sets it all up. You get members of the Justice League in here. You get the Eel. You get Ocean Master. It really sets the story up well. So it, it was nice to, to see that again. And then revisiting the Teen Titans was always a blast because it's just such a fun team. Really, really enjoyable. So um, so you get uh, Ocean Master. You get Black Mana. You get the Trench. You get the Eel all in the first issue. So pretty much that's all Aquaman's villains right there. <laughs> yeah. For, yeah. Okay. Uh, we are. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I thought might have been kind of fun to throw into this, and and maybe they didn't want to spend the money and or whatever, but it might have been considering this is meant to be an introductory uh, volley to people is maybe some like Huzu style pages in Ooh. the back of like here's Aquaman, here's Black Mana, here's Aqualad, here's Mira, like, like you know, you know here's their first, first appearance. appearance. Here's, here's their, I mean, obviously not not use the actual who's who listings because those are woefully out of date. So I guess that would necessitate creating new ones, and maybe they would spend that money. But I just thought maybe you could have just carved out three or four pages for just a couple of character bios or something. Well, you know, they did who's who entries, and that's something we probably need to look at someday. Um, <clears throat> For maybe not uh, for the new fifty two, 
They they did. They spent one month where they did a who's who entry for like each each book or something like that. So they could have, you know, they could have used the Aquaman one from there, I suppose. But yeah, no, that makes a good point. Introduction to the characters wouldn't be a bad idea. Or if nothing else, I'm sure this is all on the DC Wiki, you know, stuff nowadays where they, um, because you know, the DC Universe app has a full blown digital wiki. I mean, they could just steal some of that and slap it together and put a piece of art in there and be done. You know, give it to the intern or something. Yeah, it's just something like I mean, I don't mean that as a, a criticism. I mean, I think it's I think it's a really solid collection, especially when uh, I will say when I bought the first one and I saw that it was Mirror Queen of Atlantis, I was like, really a continued story in this one hundred? But then I realized, well, no, they're going to it's they're treating these like a trade almost, where it's going to be spread across these hundred page giants. So then it made a lot more sense. Yeah, and well, that's how all of them have been working. I've got um, oh my god, a stack that's probably. A foot or two long, long if you stack them up together, of these hundred-page giants I've been buying from Walmart. Uh, I've got a bunch of Green Lan- or I'm um, sorry, I bought Superman ones, some uh, Teen Titan ones, um, or whatever. I don't know. I've got a huge stack of these things. Here. The sad sack one. I do. Don't make me cry. No, you know I'd love that. Um, let's see what do I have here. I have a bunch of Superman, a bunch of Teen Titans. I got a Justice League or two, Batman. I got some Swamp Thing. Okay, so I got a ton of these things. And, and the way it works is, yes, they, it's all almost all continuing stories because the idea is to get people to come back the next. You know, two months later, and buy the next one. That's what they want. Right. So, um, yeah. So that's the first. That's the first edition. By the way, I figured it out. So the, the cover issue, how I was like confused. So yes, you just described yours. In mine, on the back, it actually says direct market edition. So it's been so many months since October. I actually forgot. I never found mine at Walmart. I had to buy mine from my comic shop. So this version with the uh, Liam Sharp cover, I got at the comic book shop. Whereas issue number two, I did get at Walmart. And uh, has a uh, probably the, what's they call the mass market cover. So gotcha. Okay. All right. All right. That makes sense. Speaking of which, why don't we talk about issue number two on the shelves just recently, January eighth, two thousand twenty. Um, now, here's the interesting thing. Okay, so who's on your cover? The I have the uh, Joe Prada, uh, Rod, uh, Ivan Reese, Joe Prada, Rod Reese from Justice League. Okay, so this is a Justice League cover. Okay, that's the yeah. same one I have because that's the mass market edition we got at Walmart. Right. I guess if you bought it in the comic shop, you would have got the new cover by Philip Tan. Yes, yes. I've seen that cover on online, so that it, it, it does exist. Okay, so there we go. All right. Well, uh, again, very similar format, folks. 16-page new story, 8-page new story, and then reprints that pick up exactly where the other ones left off. So, Rob, why don't you tell us about the first story, Sea Devils? Yes, uh, it's by Michael Gray and art by Aaron Lepresti and Matt Ryan. Aquaman visits a remote corner of the Black Sea after hearing some ominous reports of a poison mountain. When he arrives, he is disgusted to find a mountain all right, but one made of barrels of toxic waste dumped from the surface world. All the sea life within its reach have been horribly mutated and do not respond to Aquaman's telepathy. When he sees another barrel drop into the ocean, he heads to the surface to see who is doing this. But before he can, he sees someone else has arrived, the Sea Devils. Knowing their harsh reputation, he jumps onto the ship and stops members of the team from firing on the Russian mobsters who have been doing the dumping. The Sea Devils leader, Dane Dorrance, dismisses Aquaman's label of them as eco-terrorists and opens fire. But instead of killing any of the Russian uh, mobsters, he and his team manage to capture them all, saying these hired goons don't deserve to die for what their boss has hired them to do. One of the Sea Devils asks what happened to the bag of explosives that, explosives that was on deck, and the mobster says he threw it overboard. Oops. It explodes down below, awakening a massive mutated anglerfish, which attacks the ship. Aquaman engages, but finds the thing is so strong and full of rage that he considers calling in the Justice League. Just then, the Sea Devils aboard their ship, the Devilfish, try to help, only to get swallowed by the monster. 
Aquaman then realizes that this deep-sea fish is vulnerable in shallow water, so he swims directly through the creature, causing it to burst like a balloon. Later, Aquaman makes an offer to the Sea Devils to have them come work for him. They're wanted by both sides of the law, so Aquaman reasons that with the diplomatic immunity being part of the continent of Atlantis affords, uh, he and the Sea Devils will figure out how, the right way to save Earth's oceans. And that is the story. Fun. So I, I've always loved the idea of the Sea Devils, and it was always amazing they didn't connect to them with Aquaman more often. So they make a specific reference in here to the last time we met you and you saved us from the whaling or whatever it was. I, I, did we read that? Like, I don't remember what – was that in the New 52 era or something? I don't – I do not remember. I know he – I know the uh, the Arthur Joseph Aquaman hung out with the yes. Sea Devils in sort of Atlantis, but that was like 15 years ago at this point. Right. So, right. so, I mean, look, I, again, I – there are so many more Aquaman comics now that I don't keep up with them all. And so, yeah, there must – I'm sure they met at some point and I'm just not aware of it. Or, or honestly, or we read it and I don't even remember because I've realized nowadays it's like more modern comics. I read them and I don't retain them at no, all. No, no. So like, if we were to go back and look at the Aquaman issues we've covered in the show, I, I, it'd be like reading it brand new to me. I'd be like, oh, that's fun. I didn't know that happened. <laughs> so it could have where it very well happened. Anyway, uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, so Aquaman busts out cursing. He jumps in here and he says uh, – Basically, try that. I, I think if I think it says try that shit with me, right? You know, forget my language. But yeah, that's exactly what he says. So I was like, wow. Now they, they of course they had the little symbols for it for yes. their kids. But I was like, wow, I, I'm not used to that. But uh, I, and I like the idea of the Sea Devils working for Aquaman. I'm just I'm thrilled that they connected those characters because even though the planet is covered 75 percent by water and the odds on Aquaman and the Sea Devils bumping into each other really shouldn't be that high, uh, it's nice that, that it works out that way. The thing I like most about the story, aside from the whole bit with the anglerfish, which was really cool because it's I'm always a sucker for Aquaman fighting a giant monster, <laughs> right. uh, is that that this story has has a, a effect outside the regular stories. I mean, this actually. You know, radiates out into the other Aquaman stories, presumably because uh, they're some, working for him now. I guess so, but I mean, it, it, I mean, I don't know whether they've implemented that yet. But at the same, but I mean, something is changing in this story as opposed to the Aquaman Mana fight, which is just they're all set back to zero, which is fine. Uh, I like it done in one wonders, as it were. Uh, <laughs> but but I like the idea that the Sea Devils come to work for him because that's that's cool. I like. I mean, they are obviously the whole bit with them being considered eco terrorists is sort of reminiscent of the thing with whale wars and whatever. Uh, but but no, I like that. I think it was. Cool. I liked that it, it develops their universe a little bit, which is surprising. I didn't expect that in one of these one hundred page giants. Yeah. So comments on the Sea Devils, uh, it's fun to see these characters again. A little surprised to see them carting around like, you know, submachine guns and, <laughs> and shooting at people and like saying, don't worry, we're not going to kill anybody. Well, kind of if you're shooting a machine gun at somebody, you're, that's probably what you're trying to do, actually. So <laughs> uh, Now, of course, knowing my reputation, I have to say, Judy's smoking hot. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, so it was a fun little story. I, I, I think I... I think I enjoyed this one more than the Mana one. I'm not sure. Hard, I'm a little hard-pressed. I think the art on the other one was a little better, but I think the story here might have been a little bit better because I, I like the eco you know, angle as well. Well, I also like that this – I mean the, the Aquaman Mana story is just one big fight. That's it. This actually has sort of a part one and a part two is that it's the whole bit with the Sea Devils and the Russian monsters, and then there's the monster at the end. Like yeah, it's an it's extra – like, oh, it's another thing now he's got to deal with. I love when he, when he bursts through the thing on the other side, oh. and he just goes, oh, this is going to be gross. I love right. it. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. And uh, yeah, again, I like the science of it. So I always like it when superheroes work real-world science into their adventures, especially Aquaman where obviously so much of it goes on in, in 
presumably the real world, but the idea that this thing, uh, these anglerfish are deep sea creatures, and when they're in shallow water, they become very vulnerable because they're their lungs fill up uh, with like a balloon. Like it's, they become very, and I like that. I like that. I feel like, uh, that, uh, you know, they, the, the writer here, Michael Gray did a little research on sea life to figure yeah. that out. I didn't know anything like that. So that was cool. And like I said, I, anytime Aquaman's fighting a giant monster, I'm on board with that. And I think that's why I liked Jeff Parker run so much was all monsters. It was great. Right. 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 And you, you mentioned the, the, what's the female sea devil? Judy. Character? Judy. I love when, when Judy says basically, you know, she's going to kill Dane if he's the one who gets in the way of her visiting Atlantis, which is right. a fun little detail. Yep. So, all right, cool. Then we'll go on to the next one. It's an eight-page story called Worth. Now, this one's not starring Aquaman. It's starring Aqualad, specifically the Jackson Hyde Aqualad, who was introduced in Brightest Day, then immediately retconned away, and then they had to reintroduce him in the New 52. So, uh, uh, and, and then they reintroduced him again in Rebirth, I guess, actually, is when it really happened. But anyway, so this eight-page story written by David uh, Wellgoz. Oof. Wheel yeah, that's a tough name. That guy, that's Dave. A tough you know. name. Mick M- M- says Pitalik, I believe. Is that you guys name. know Dave. So, art by Jose Luis. No, nothing else after that. <laughs> Jose Luis. Uh, Adrian- and then inks with Adriano D. Benedito. Man, that's really rough. Okay. So here's my recap. Aqualad, again, Jackson Hyde, uh, is unlucky in love and is embarrassed after being friend-zoned by a cute guy friend. Now, now, while walking home, feeling very awkward, he is attacked by the electrocutioner. The villain is hoping to take out Aqualad and thus embarrass Black Manta. Because, if you're not aware, Aqualad's uh, estranged father is Black Mana. Now, throughout the story, we're treated to flashbacks featuring Aqualad's youth and his struggles when dealing with his powers, his family legacy, and trying to fit in with other teenagers. Now, Aqualad ultimately defeats Electrocutioner and discovers that the villain was actually hired by Black Mana himself. Black Mana wanted to test his son, Aqualad, to ensure he was powerful enough to stand up for himself. Aqualad, uh, I'm sorry, Black Mana doesn't want to be embarrassed by his son getting beat up to easily. Uh, Aqualad then makes quick work of Black Mana, comparing the beating he's giving him to the pressures uh, that Aqualad has been dealing with his whole life. Finally, Aqualad leaves Black Mana behind, basically expressing that he, um, if Black Mana had raised him, he probably would have killed the villain, but in this case, he's more compassionate. So, now, when I first read this story, I read it as, not fluff, but I was like, okay, that was fine, move on. Didn't give it a second thought until I had to write the recap. Once I had to actually sit here and look at the – and do the recap, I was really surprised at how much they packed into eight pages. I I feel like there's actually a a lot going on here. As you know – Aqualad's kind of a complicated character. You know, he's he's a young man. Uh, he, he's homosexual, and he's having a hard time finding a partner. Uh, he's had some bad experiences with partners. He has a hard time. <laughs> Have we well, well, yeah, but but in this case, like you know, he found in, in it's actually referencing a story that's been running in the back of these Aquaman 100-page giants. So when they put this story together, they said, hey, we showed Aqualad struggle with his boyfriend and his boyfriend run away from from him because he was scared of his powers. Let's use that right here in the story. And they actually include it as part of this new story, which I thought was really well done for the package. So he's got problems in love. He's got problems with his powers when he's a little kid, destroying the apartment. His mother's like, you have to hide your powers. You can't ever let anyone know they have them. You know, he finds out Black Man is his dad. He bleaches his hair blonde. I don't get that part. Um, but anyway, and so he's, he's a character with a lot going on, a lot of, of stress on this poor teenage kid. And then, you know, his dad hires a guy to kill him just to test him. So uh, the more I broke it down, the more I really got into this, I really like this little story. Um, 
I, I thought it was really quite engaging and quite uh, gripping for me. So, what'd you think of it? I thought it was okay. I, I, I'm really just not my most. I'm really only really familiar with this Aqualad from the Blackest Day, Brightest Night. Mm-hmm. Actually, from Brightest Day, really, not from yeah. Blackest Night. Um, so, I just don't know that much about him outside because I don't read any of the Teen Titans comics. I know that they've kind of made kind of. I know that he's on the show, right? He's a, he was he's on the live action show now too. Uh, no, that's Garth. Oh, is it? That is that Garth? I yeah. thought they. Okay. No, I, right. trust, I I don't want to say any more than that because there's spoilers okay. in that, but it's okay. it's definitely Garth. Okay, all right. So. Uh, but I mean, he's appeared in and he was in Young Justice, right? I the think that's where series. he. I think that's where he actually premiered first. Okay. Was in the Young Justice cartoon, and he is beloved. The fans of that show love this character. Okay, yeah. all right. Because I've never been a big fan of Garth, the original Aqualad, as written, because he was always kind of mopey and whatever. I'm just, okay, you know, I hate mopey people. That's why, because I'm one myself. I hate I was, people like that. I was so glad you yeah. first. Okay. You, always, you, you always hate what you see when you see yourself <laughs> and others. Uh, but, so, I mean, it, like I said, it was fine. I, I just, I'm, I'm like, Black Mana again? We just had him. But right. maybe that's because I'm, I'm reading these back to back. Uh, you know, not a month apart the way you're kind of supposed to. So I thought, again, like kind of like the other first issue, I thought it was fine. Um, I'm certainly happy for Aqualad to get more of a solo feature because, you know, he's part of the family. You know, yep. I mean, Mira's getting Queen of Atlantis here, so why not give him a chance to shine as well? Yeah, hopefully we'll get Tula at some point. Yeah, that, that would be great. But so, yeah, I, um, I, I again, given, having to dissect this, I really was impressed with the storytelling that was done here artistically and uh, in, in the script. So I'm I really felt like they packed a lot in here, and I was very impressed. So I enjoyed the story quite a bit. I have been meaning to watch the Young Justice cartoon. I watched uh, the first season with my kids many years ago, like right after it came out. I don't remember anything other than Superboy and the Big Dog. That's really about all I can remember. Um, I I know it went three seasons, and then they put a fourth one on DC Unlimited or DC um, Universe. So I know I should jump back in, and I know just now the comment board exploded with seven more people telling me, yes, I should go watch the cartoon. It's fantastic. Electrocutioner is nice to see him, and I like the art here, and I, the coloring is really sharp with the explosions and the lighting, and then the muted panels for the past. And uh, I just think it's for eight pages, I was really wowed. So, all right, and then after that, you get the reprints again. So we talked about before you got Throne of Atlantis Prelude in issue one. Well, now you get Throne of Atlantis Part One from Justice League number fifteen from. 2013. Then you get the second issue of Mara, Queen of Atlantis, called The King and the Queen. Again, Mara is uh, battling away with uh, uh, Ocean Master and dealing with uh, not having her powers. It was a whole big story. It was really good. Tula shows up in that, too, by the way. Then you get The Rise of Aqualad Part 2 from Teen Titans number 7 from 2017. So you learn more about Aqualad. He finally gets his costume. He hangs out with the Teen Titans. They sort of accept him. Uh, well, I don't want to say accept it, but he, he, he is beginning to join the Teen Titans at that point. So uh, I found a lot of fun. Black Man showed up in there, too, by the way, because that's apparently the only person Aquaman fights. Uh, the good news is uh, I was worried because I, I, I you mentioned it every month and that's what got me worried is like oh I don't see one solicited for February well it turns out this is actually a bi-monthly thing so oh, it only right. comes yeah, out yeah, every other month yeah. so Aquaman number three has already been solicited should be on the shelves uh, in your I guess your Walmarts your comic shops etc on March 11th so watch for that and I guess it'll pick up all these same things you know, hopefully similar sort of format and then uh, hopefully number four will come out as well two months after that but the solicitations for those aren't out yet if I'm, they have, if they run like previous years we'll get a whole year of this 
So, That's which cool. would be fantastic, which would get us six issues, which would be great. I'm curious as to what, who, how, I guess it seems like, uh, who, the headliners are, I mean, obviously the headliners are your, are your usual cast of characters, Superman, Batman, Justice League. Swamp Thing is in there, even though he, like, I it's like he's not, the TV show got canceled. I like, I'm trying to figure out what, how they're picking. I mean, Aquaman, yeah, because he just started the movie. Uh, but I'm tr- just sort of just looking at like well, what. How, I wonder how they decided who gets to headline these things. Well, you got to put your head in, in in this space, which is the way it works. Is again, we we had like a whole year of Superman, Batman, uh, Justice League, and, and uh, I can't remember what the Flash. I think the other one was, and then you got some era of Wonder Woman and stuff like that. So the decision had to be made to do this probably if the first one dropped in October the decision was probably made like in June when to do these things and at that point the Swamp Thing TV show was you know I don't know that it even been canceled yet at that point or even premiered yet at that point so when they decided to do the Swamp Thing book was a long time ago and now they're sort of committed to that process um the Aquaman I mean they could certainly change it but you know Aquaman would have been decided back in June when the Blu-ray was like you know exploding or whatever and whatever was going on back in June with Aquaman so the decisions were made a long time ago when the focus was were on those characters at that point because I think right now it's uh, what Aquaman Swamp Thing, probably Superman, Batman. I think Wonder Woman's got one as well. Uh, I think <laughs> who has the digest this year. So where's the Doom Patrol hundred page edition? Right. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> not going to happen. Although um, in the Superman one last year, they they were running the Terrifics because a lot of times mm-hmm. they mix this stuff up. Like yeah. you, you know, they'll have a, a Green Lantern story in the Batman book or something like that or whatever, and you're like, what? But okay, you just go with it. Yeah, and, I mean, and they I'm had right. the Teen Titans one when the Teen Titans series was coming out. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- this is great. I, I was very happy to see uh, an Aquaman comic in a regular store again. Um, it was cool. I I will admit I, I quite enjoyed the little uh, custom display box that DC sends <laughs> these things in. I mean, th- that that's going to be a collector's item to some nerd like me 20 years from now where they're I like, oh, I can't just find thinking, those things anymore, you know, whatever. It's going to be like your spinner rack. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, when I – I will say that when I uh, I told everybody last week on a Digest Cast that I moved into a new – uh, location. I have a new home now, and so uh, this is. I've just been recording shows from this new space, and so I have room now for all of my display stuff. And I completely for this is off topic, but who cares? I completely <laughs> forgot that I owned a DC display box for their Alex Ross Treasury Editions. Oh wow! I bought it off of eBay, and I never had a place to put it, and so I actually unfolded, and now here it is. It's sitting on top of my shelf, and I have the Alex Ross Treasuries sitting in it, and it's it's really. I mean, it's. It's an old classic cardboard little construction, and I had to like kind of jerry rig it with some tape because it didn't quite line up with tab A, slot B, and that kind of stuff. <laughs> but uh, but I was so happy to have. It. I was like, oh god, I forgot I had this thing. So I really, I, I wasn't going to go up to some Walmart manager and like bug him, but I really was almost like, can I put my name down for this display box because it's so <laughs> it's so fun looking. It's such it'd be such a cool item to have in your house. Please, people, don't go steal them because I did hear that when they first launched these digest, there was a rat- of people stealing display boxes, <laughs> which is awful. Absolutely terrible. Really? You're going to laugh at that? It's, I mean, it's funny. It's just like, like, come on, everybody. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure you can get them on eBay, although I guess that's how you get them on eBay. Somebody right. stole them. Exactly. So, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That awful. sounds like a really horrible DC villain, like the Display Master or something. <laughs> so. Yeah, don't well, steal people. Come on. You, you know what? Now that you say it, I remember that because there were photos going around of like, well, here's how I find mine, and they were just a, they were just a big pile. Yes, and no one was ever going to buy them because they looked they didn't look 
you, know, you couldn't tell what you were looking at because it was just a big pile of books or something. So yeah, you're, you're thinking of our, our our chat thread we've got because some of those photos were mine. Because yeah, when they first came out with these with these uh, hundred page giants, I would go to my local uh, Walmart and there would be you know a rack of like I don't know six shelves of trading cards, right? Well, the comics would be stacked on the top shelf, six feet up in the air, <laughs> not facing out displayed, but just literally a vertical stack. So all I'm looking at is the, is the pages, not even the spines. Looking at a stack of pages. And having worked in a comic shop for so many years, I look at that and go, hey, that's a stack of comics. Not that anyone else in the world would have ever figured that out. And I pulled it down and found which ones I need. But uh, yeah, so it's uh, pretty asinine the way that Walmart uh, is doing it. Now, at least nowadays, they have been in the display boxes in, in recent months, which is good. Right. They have to chain the display boxes to the shelves like a metal chain or something. Ludicrous. Ludicrous. <laughs> well, at least we've gotten two of these. We, we are getting a third. Hopefully we'll get a full six to get it you because know, that will help people finish out the you know uh, the Mara, Queen of Atlantis story, the Throne of Atlantis, all that. They'll get to read the whole thing, and that would be awesome. So I, I'm excited to have these. It's, it's a really cool opportunity, and some kid – is buying these somewhere in the world, right? And this is the only Aquaman comics he's reading. And just like us with Spinner Rack, you know, he's going to get issue two and not issue three, and he's always going to wonder what happened at the end of Mary Queen of Atlantis number th- number two or three or whatever. And uh, that kid will grow up wondering whatever you know, like we did when we missed an issue. So I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, I'm really glad they're doing these. I, I, I think um, I think it was Michael Bailey who said I heard this from him. Uh, and I, I trust him that he's accurate in this information, but he said something with the Dan Didio apparently said that at this point their reprints sell better than their new comics. You heard that from uh, me, I think. But yeah, we, we all okay, heard, yeah, all right. we've all heard that. Dan Dan said that at a convention. Yeah, the reprints, the dollar comic reprints and stuff are selling better than the modern comics. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. I mean, so I, I'm not going to say I wish there were some older stories in these things because that's just me showing my age of like that's the stuff that I like. And I know they're trying to appeal to a more modern audience. Um, I, I think it would be cool if they do more of these when maybe they wrap up Mirror Queen of Atlantis that they slot in a slightly older story just for verisimilitude. But uh, but that's OK if they don't. But I mean it's that's – we've all been sort of talking about for many years. God, we've been doing this show for nine years now um, that you know we would – DC would do more of stuff like this and now they're doing it. Now they're yep. doing it. So great. You know, I'm really happy that these things exist. That's super cool. Yep, absolutely. Well, all right, so I think we've beaten this to death, folks. As the next ones come out, Rob and I will pick them up. Uh, we'll go to the, the dreaded uh, newsstand distribution efforts and uh, <laughs> cover them for you here again in a future episode. It really is not a better way of distributing comics, as much as I'm nostalgic for it, I have to admit. Driving all around New Jersey looking for a comic book is like, this is BS. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so. so, folks, go out to our website, which is firewaterpodcast.com. Look for the Fire and the Aquaman and Firestorm show. Leave your comments. Let us know if you picked up these digests or if you picked up some of the other digests. You know, let me know what your thoughts are on those. Would love to hear it. Uh, Blue Devil even appeared in one of the digests. You know, it was a uh, it was like the New Fifty Two version, but he showed up. I, I think, or no, actually, it wasn't. It was from. Um, it was the Shadow Pack version. It was from a Halloween oh, okay. collection. Okay. So anyway, uh, go out there. Go out on the social medias, uh, on Facebook or Twitter, and send us a message. Let us know what you're thinking. So uh, anything I'm forgetting, sir? I don't think so. I think we, we got our Patreon plug in. We're doing everything else. So, yeah, this is uh... – well, I, it has been fun talking about some new Aquaman. We have been, as Shag mentioned, very derelict, especially me, in keeping up with the current series, and I want to try and rectify that in some way, but there's reasons why I haven't yet. We've been going back to talk about other things. But, yeah, it is nice to, to read some new Aquaman comics and just sort of check in with them every so often. It's cool. Hey, if you want, we could read some recent Firestorm comics. We could read Doomsday Clock and discuss that. Um, okay. 
no. Uh, <laughs> I expected a different reaction from you. Darn it. <laughs> I, I didn't – I hope you didn't mean that. At, I didn't think I meant that at all. Because I am so freaking angry about the end of that series and no, what it we're, did. We're, to, we're, not, we're not doing that. And what it did to Firestorm, so specifically. Anyway, uh, that's going to do it, folks. So uh, until next time, fan the flame. And ride the wave. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. They stand for truth and justice and see a land in there. Aquaman and Firestorm, they make a super pair. Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever. Yeah.